Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Do you ever go like to the doctor's office or something and um, whenever you go like after, you get a text or an email or something like that and it says, hey, if you had good service today, would you mind getting on Google and writing us a review? You ever get one of those? Um, or you go to a restaurant and they're like, hey, if you'll fill out this survey and please make sure you mention me so that I can enter into this contest and say how good the service was. Usually if it was bad service, they don't ask you to do that. Um, we're encouraged all the time, especially in this digital age, to write reviews. But my question to you is, when was the last time you wrote a review for what God's done in your life? When was the last time you wrote a review? I will say this, that uh, the notes are not there today. It's still last week's notes. That's for a reason, and it's because I didn't know how long testimonies were going to go. I wanted to be flexible um, with this. So um, don't scan that. Or you can. You can have last week's notes. But when's the last time that, that we wrote a review? What would we give God as far as a rating? Five stars, if we're being honest. I mean, I know we're in church, so everybody would say, I would give God five stars. And if there were six, I would give him six. But some days, do we feel like maybe he's a three-star God because we're not seeing some of the things that, that we want to see? Some days when you're frustrated, would you give him one star? Some days when everything's going great, would you go in there and want to change it and give him a glowing review? I feel like when we give a testimony, when we stay thankful, when we recognize the things that God has done in our life, then we reflect back even in those bad times and we remain thankful. Because if the enemy can get us to where we become unthankful, I'm gonna read this scripture. Give me a second here. Romans chapter, this is just the Spirit of God speaking this morning. Romans chapter one. In verse, uh, let's start in 20. Romans chapter one, verse 20, it says, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and the Godhead, so that they are without excuse. See, that tells me 
that I always have something to be thankful for because I just got to open my eyes and look around. If I open my eyes and I look around, I can see his goodness, right? In fact, if you want to get down to it, the fact that you even took a breath five seconds ago is the goodness of God on your life. The fact that we're even in the room, the fact that, that we're able to, to come to this place, the fact that I woke up this morning in my bed, in my house, with a roof over my head, is a testimony to the goodness of God on my life because I don't deserve any of that. We're having a conversation last night with some brothers, and in that conversation, it's, I don't know how I'm alive right now, but I'm only alive because of the goodness of God. It's the only reason that I'm living. It's the only reason that I'm breathing. If we can come to the realization that God is our everything, it says since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, the things that maybe we don't see on like on the billboards or maybe we don't see it when we open up social media or maybe these are the invisible attributes of God, but it says they're clearly seen by the things that he's made clearly seen because they were made for us because his goodness is just all over us in verse 21 it says because although they knew God see these are people who know God although they knew God it says they did not glorify him as God nor were they thankful see these are church people that he's talking about right here although they knew God They didn't glorify him as God, and they weren't thankful for what he had done. They weren't taking the time to give things. It says, and because of this, they became futile in their thoughts. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Does that sound familiar? They changed the glory of an incorruptible God into an image made like a corruptible man. Therefore, they also gave them up to uncleanliness or uncleanness and the lust of their heart. And they dishonored their bodies among themselves and they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped the creature instead of the creator. See, the degradation that we see in our society and if you begin to see that in your life, I want you to check your heart and see how thankful you're being. When was the last time I gave thanks? When was the last time I wrote a review? When was the last time I rehearsed in my mind the things that God has done for me? See, those things are extremely important. In fact, in Psalm chapter 23, in verse number one, it says, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Many of us know this by heart. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. It says, he leads me beside the still waters and he restores my soul. What's David saying here? He's rehearsing the goodness of God. He's reminding himself. He goes on and says, I, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake, the path of righteousness. This is the path of God, and he's leading me in that path. 
And it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the worst place that I could be, I'm walking in this valley, I will fear no evil because you're with me. And then it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Those, the rod and the staff does two things. The first thing that it does is it makes sure that you have protection. You're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You're having a challenge in your life. You feel like there's no way that you can make it out. You've dug a hole and you don't know how you can get out of it. The rod and the staff is there to protect you, to comfort you, to make sure that you're taken care of. The rod brings correction to your life so that you stay on that path. But another very important thing that the rod and the staff does is it was tradition in in the, the shepherding community that as a monumental thing happened, they made a notch or a mark on their staff so that they would remember that day. It was like their journal or their history book. David knew this because he was a shepherd. And so the day, I guarantee you this, and we see it when David went and fought Goliath, the day that the lion came up and tried to take the sheep and God delivered David out of the hand of the lion, he made a mark on his staff. And the day that the bear came up and tried to take over, how was David able to slay the giant? He said, the same God. The same God that delivered me, the same God that brought me out of the hand of the lion and the hand of the bear, the same God when I felt like I was all alone and he reached down and he touched me and he surrounded me with his love, the same God that made a way for me when there seemed to be no way, the same God that provided for me when there was no provision and I thought that I was going under. It's the same God that will deliver me from the giant that I faced today today and that will deliver me from the giant that I face tomorrow because it's the same God. He's good today and he's good tomorrow. Amen. Praise God. It's the same God. I'm brought comfort by the rod and the staff because I remember, because I remember his goodness, because I've given a testimony of his goodness. I've given a testimony. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. How good is that? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Why? Because God's for me. And if God's for me, who can be against me? Amen. It says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. See, I'm not out there having to look for the goodness of God. I'm not having to search for the mercy of God. They're pursuing me. Amen. His goodness and his mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And then he makes his statement. Because of all of those things, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There is power in your testimony. There's power in your testimony. There's a story in the Bible in 2 Kings chapter five, and we're gonna pick it up in verse nine, but I wanna give you a little background. There's, there was a man named Naaman, and Naaman was a, a very revered man in the community. Everybody knew him. He was a leader in his community, but this guy had leprosy. Naaman had leprosy. And so he heard that there was a, a prophet in Israel, and so he reaches out to the king of Israel, and he brings all this money and treasure and all these things to the king of Israel, 
And he says, here, I'm bringing this stuff to you because there's a prophet in your land. Well, the king of Israel was like, I don't know what you expect me to do. I'm not a prophet. You have something against me or something like that. This guy wanted to fight almost because Naaman was like reaching out and, and seeing if he could access the resources in the community or the kingdom of Israel. And so Elisha heard about it, and he was like, man, why did the king get so messed up and so bothered by this? Tell him to come to me. And so Naaman goes to the prophet of God. When he goes to the prophet of God, Elisha says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and wash yourself in the Jordan River seven times. Naaman goes away, and we can pick it up right here. Naaman went with his horse and his chariot. This is 2 Kings 5, verse 9. He went with his horse and chariot. He stood at the door to Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be clean. And Naaman became furious, and he went away, and he said, indeed, I said to myself, I'll surely come out, and this man will stand and call on the name of the Lord and wave his hands all over the place and heal my leprosy. See, he already had in his mind how God was going to bring healing to him. And so Naaman, once he received that report, we see it down. He was furious about it. And it says he turned away in his rage. In fact, he said, are not the... the Abana River and the Parfar, Farpar, however the heck you say that word, um, the rivers of Damascus, aren't they far better than the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them? He turned away. He was furious. He went away in his rage. I want to bring out a couple of things here. First of all, leprosy, and I think we can learn a lot from this in our, um, in our self-evaluation of where we're at as far as our testimony and the thankfulness of our hearts. Leprosy was a disease that would sometimes lay dormant in your body for like 20 years. And you have no idea that it's even going on because you have no symptoms, but, but it's, it's like it's incubating. It's got an environment that is allowing it to grow. Sometimes in our life, we have deep-rooted things that we refuse to deal with, that we've given an environment to grow in us. And sometimes we think we don't have to deal with those things because they're not surfacing or they're not, they're not affecting the way that I do my day-to-day -day life, but we just keep suppressing them and suppressing them and suppressing them. And they're not surfacing, but they're growing. They're growing in us. And so leprosy not only was considered a physical disease, but also a mental and an emotional and a spiritual disease. Leprosy would attack the nerve endings. It would attack what you feel. It would bring heightened sensitivity to your day-to-day -day life and bring pain in places that maybe you wouldn't even have pain. It attacked your nerve ending. Leprosy would spread and become infected when there were open wounds. And so when leprosy was working in your life, if you got a cut, it wasn't just a cut. This thing would become infected and potentially take whatever 
place the cut was, was on. Spread, become infected. Leprosy was working in Naaman's life and it was literally crippling him. And so he went to the prophet and he was like, Elisha, can you heal me? Elisha brings out a servant and says, yeah, go and wash in the Jordan River seven times. See, but it was more than just a physical ailment to Naaman because he had this idea and this concept that it has to be this way and I deserve this and I need to be placed in this position and things have to work this way and I'm too bougie to go down to the, Ju- the Jordan River. I have to go to the Abana River. When we look at the definitions of Abana River and, and Farpar River, they mean, uh, they mean to be built and a division. See, I believe that right there, the reason why he couldn't go to those two rivers is because sometimes it may look cleaner it may think that you may think that the easier path is if I just kind of section myself off from people and I do my own thing over here, then I can take care of myself, right? I can, I can take care of this. I don't need to bother anybody else with it. And what it does is those walls that you build just create a division. See, maybe that was the easier path, but it wasn't the path to healing. It might've been easier. It might've been cleaner, It might have been more pleasant in the time being because you didn't have to deal with things, but that's what got you in this in the first place. And so he looks at this and he says, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna walk away because he told me that I need to wash in the Jordan River and he couldn't even come out and tell me myself, tell me himself, and so I'm just gonna walk away from all of this. Forget this guy. And his servant goes up to him Sometimes we need a good friend that's gonna just be blunt with us. Amen? You believe that? Sometimes we need somebody that's just not gonna pull their punches. His servant goes up to him and he's like, bro, you said you wanted to be well. Yet, you're walking away. He says, and this is, I don't know what verse it is, but it says, the servant came near him And he said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? In other words, man, you can be well or you cannot be well. You wanted to do something. You said you wanted to come to the prophet. You traveled all this way to come to him. He tells you what to do and you're not even willing to do it. So don't be well. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? God said a similar thing to me whenever I reached out for the first time to someone in counseling. And after we got done with the discussion and, and he was very blunt with me and I, I was very blunt with him, we had that kind of relationship. We got off to a really good start. And uh, he said to me, he said, what's your biggest hesitation? I think he could just see it all over my face. And he said, what's your biggest hesitation here? I said, you can't help me. Just told him. He goes, well, why'd you come? If you don't think I can help you, why'd you come? 
I said, because I can't stay the way I am. He said, well, promise me that you're gonna do what I say. You don't have to believe that I can help you, but promise me you'll do what I say. Okay? So we get finished, and he said, I'm giving you homework. And I said, okay. He said, I want you to say the Lord's Prayer every day. I'm like, pshh. I know the Lord's Prayer. I don't need to say it. I know it. I don't need to do that. I got off and I was mad. I got off the call and I was mad. Say the Lord's Prayer. Are you kidding me? And God said, you can do it or not. You can be better or not be better. Okay. So I said it. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Then I remembered that he said, take time to say it and think about what you're saying. (sighs) Our Father (laughs) in heaven. I can be sarcastic at times. So can you guys. You guys can be sarcastic too, apparently. I can tell you this. I can tell you this. That by Ah, <laughs> oh, see that was bonus points, I guess. That was bonus points. I can tell you that by the end of the week saying the Lord's prayer changed my entire perspective. And God taught me more about the Lord's prayer than I had ever even thought was in there. In saying it every day, He began to soften my heart. The homework got harder. But I was willing. I was willing. What are you gonna do? See, the Jordan River, while the the other rivers, they mean to build walls and to bring division, the Jordan River means to descend. To descend. That's why the children of Israel had to cross over the Jordan River in order to get to the promised land because they needed the presence of God to descend on them. They needed to be immersed in his presence. That's why Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River because he needed the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, to descend on his flesh, right? Yes, he was all God, but he was all flesh. He needed the the power and the presence of God to descend on his flesh, When Naaman washed himself in the Jordan River and seven times was no accident, as seven is the number of completion, if he would have washed six, he wouldn't have been whole. But he washed seven because he needed to be complete. So he washes in the Jordan River so that the presence and the power of God can descend on him. And then Naaman does something that's very important and I believe that what he did here sealed his healing. It says that he dipped in the Jordan River, his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. See, this wasn't just his physical, but his spiritual, his mental, his emotional, everything was made whole. It says, and he returned. Say that, and he returned. returned. Say it again, and he returned. returned. One more time for good measure, and he returned. It says he returned to the man of God and 
All his aides went with him, and he came and he stood before him, and he said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except for the God that is in Israel. Now I know. What did Naaman do? He went and he gave testimony. He went and he gave testimony. He said, I know that there's a God. See, maybe I was skeptical before, but now I know. See, what Naaman just did is he took it from a place of becoming just a story that he could tell, and it became his biography. See, there are things that happen in our life that are just stories that we can tell, things that happen to us along the way. They didn't really like shape or mold our life. It was just a story. We say all the time, well, at least we have a story out of it, right? At least it's something we can laugh about later or whatever it may be. But here's the thing that in Naaman's case, and when we give testimony, then we've now put our name on it. We've now put our approval on it. We've now taken it from a place where it was a story or just something that happened to us, and now it's included in our biography. See, this is now the, not only an isolated incident, but it's the story of my life. This is now the thing that has molded me and began to shape me, and I can go back and look at it because whenever Naaman started to wonder if God was real. Let's just be real in this room right now. As Christians, have you ever wondered if God is real? Have you ever been through a time in your life where you're like, God, where are you? Are you even here? Do you even listen to me? Do you even care about me? Naaman, I'm sure, had that same experience. Why? Because we all do. But he could go back and he can look and he's like, oh, hold on. But there was this time that I had the worst case of leprosy and I was going to die. But God, but God, now I know that there's a God. There's power in your testimony. There's power in your testimony. Tito, 13 years. And every time you tell that testimony, it seals it in. Every time you rehearse his goodness, it seals it in. There's power in your testimony. Amen. Praise God. Never the same. Never going back there. There's power in the testimony. Your testimony will keep you thankful. Your testimony will keep you in peace in the storm. Your testimony will give you the courage to move forward, three things. Your testimony, I'm gonna say them again. Your testimony will keep you thankful. Your testimony will give you peace in the storm. And your testimony will give you the courage to move forward. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, we're gonna close with this. It says, then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It said, it has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Because the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one that accuses them before our God day and night. 
the accuser of the brethren, Satan, the one that is always saying, no, 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 but you don't know who they were. You don't understand. See, this person right here, you think they're all godly and you think they're all Christian and you think, but don't you remember that this is the same person that was out there not only doing drugs, but also dealing drugs? Don't you understand that this is the same person that was a cheater and a liar and a manipulator? This is the same person that was a womanizer. This is the same person. He's accusing you day and night before God. He's standing there saying, he did this and she did that. And they are not worthy of the presence of a holy God. That's what he's doing all the time. Day and night, he is accusing you. Yet, it says here that they defeated the accuser of the brethren and he was cast down. Why? By the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. I want to talk about those three things in closing. Those three things that the people of God use to cast down the accuser. Because the accuser is under our feet. Jesus has overcome. The accuser has been cast down. But sometimes we sure give a loud voice to the accuser. It's like we hand him a megaphone and he's accusing not only is he accusing you in front of God, he accuses you in front of you. Telling you why you can't make it. Telling you why you can't accomplish what God's called you to accomplish. And he's accusing you over and over again. The first thing that made it possible was the blood of the lamb. See, the blood of the lamb made it possible for us to live one with the victory. To, uh, for us to be one with the victory. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number one, and we're gonna bounce around a little bit in Hebrews chapter 10. It says, for the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with these, with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, Make those who approach perfect. I'm gonna read all that again because I butchered it really bad. For the law having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things they can never with these same sacrifices, which they continually make year after year, they can't make those who approach perfect. The sacrifices that we made according to the law cannot make you perfect. And that's what that's saying there. It can't make you perfect. It says, for then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin year after year. When you had to continually sacrifice for your sins, you're reminded of your sins over and over and over again, year after year after year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. 
Therefore, then, he came into the world, and he said, Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings for sin you had no pleasure. And then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book that is written to me to do your will, O God. Jesus, we're talking about Jesus here. It says, You didn't come desiring sacrifices. You didn't desire sacrifices for sins, but you prepared a body for Jesus to be the sin of the world. Amen? You didn't desire sacrifices. That wasn't God's best, but you prepared for me a body that is a sacrifice. Previously saying, sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire, nor did you have pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. But he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. And he takes away the first that he may establish the second. He takes away the sacrifice so that he may establish the lamb. He takes away the temporary so he may establish the permanent. Does that make sense? Do you follow me? I'm really going through this quick here. But God took away the need for the sacrificial lamb on the altar because Jesus was the permanent lamb on the altar. Amen? It says, by that, we will all have been sanctified through the offering of the blood of Jesus, the body of Jesus, I'm sorry, once and for all. And then Romans chapter six, five says that he was made one, that we are made one with his death and his resurrection. See, it's the blood of the lamb, it's the sacrifice that Jesus made that gives us the opportunity to walk in his freedom that gives us the opportunity to walk in his joy and to accept his love. It's that sacrifice that was made for us. That's how they overcame. Number one is they were clean in the eyes of God. Why were they clean? Because of the blood of Jesus. They had to be clean. They had to have the power of God in them. But you couldn't enter into the throne room of God without the blood of Jesus. So he made a way, number one, by the blood of the lamb. Number two, by the word of your testimony. See, the word of your testimony keeps your mind and your flesh aligned with the miracle that's happened in your spirit. The word of your testimony keeps your mind and your flesh aligned with the miracle that's happened in your spirit. If we skip down in Hebrews chapter 10 to verse 19, it says, therefore, brothers, having the boldness, see, this is our testimony, having the boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us or set aside for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, having full assurance. See, your testimony gives you full assurance of faith. It says having full assurance of faith and having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. When it's talking about being sprinkled there, it was Jewish tradition and Jewish custom that in order to be clean, you had to be sprinkled with the blood from the sacrifice. And as you're sprinkled with that blood, then your flesh is made clean. 
But it couldn't change your conscience. It couldn't change your heart. But he says here that your heart has been sprinkled. See, it's not my flesh that's been sprinkled. My heart has been sprinkled from an evil conscience and my body has been washed with pure water. My body has been washed with pure water. Water in the scripture represents life. Life has gotten all over me. I have been washed in the life of Jesus. It says, because of these things, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. That word hold fast means let's take possession. Let's take possession of the confession or the testimony of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. How do I know? My testimony. I know because of the word of my testimony. And then he says, and this is really important, guys, especially in this day and age, especially with us coming out of COVID, especially with so many things being online. I'm just going to say this straight up, that you do not get the full experience that God has called the church to be in an online setting. I'm really glad that we can receive from the word of God. But what we can't do is receive from one another. I'm really glad that we can get online. I'm glad that, uh, that tomorrow morning or this afternoon or whenever, I can throw in my headphones and I can listen to a, a podcast and I can be strengthened in the things of God. Man, I'm excited about that. But you know what I don't get out of that? The encouraging texts that I got this week that made a difference in my life. You know what I don't get? I don't get those hugs that Sherry was talking about. I don't get those from a podcast. I don't get those from YouTube. It says here that we need to consider one another so that we stir up love and good works and not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. It says, this is the manner of some, but we need to exhort one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. It is more important now. And that's one of the things that I'm seeing happening in our body is for several years, even before COVID, we had gotten away from exhorting one another. We had gotten away from strengthening one another. We had gotten away from stirring up love and good works in one another. But we're seeing it again. Why? Because we're growing. Because we're maturing as a body. Because God's doing a work in us. We're stirring up love and good works. We're growing. Why are things like dinner on Wednesday night important to stir up love and good works? To exhort one another to strengthen one another. Why is it important that you come a little bit early? That you don't duck out late or early something? That you come late, leave early? Yeah, don't do those things. Come early, leave late. How about that? Why is that important? We can't do it every week. I get it. But why is it important to make a point to do that? Because church is not just about hearing the sermon and singing the songs Man, turn on Elevation Worship, listen to Stephen Furtick's message afterwards, and you're good, right? No, that's not what God's called us to do. Does it help? Sure. We should be doing that. We should be growing. But what does it do when we come together? 
when we experience community, when we do life together, when we exhort one another, when we strengthen one another, when we hear each other's testimonies, what does that do? When we start talking, talking about the challenges that we're facing in life, when we start talking about the victories that we've experienced, when we rejoice together, when we cry together, when we hold up each other, what does it do? It stirs us up. It strengthens us. It's the power of our testimony. It causes us to overcome the accuser. Last thing, it says they did not love their life more than death. Jesus said this to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. He said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Three things that he told them to do. Three things that caused them to overcome the accuser. They overcame by the blood of the lamb. They realized that they had been made clean and because they've, made clean, they've been made clean, they have access to the throne. Because they've been made clean, they have the power of God residing on the inside of them. The word of their testimony, it turned it from just a story to a biography. It caused the miracle inside of them to be activated in their flesh and in their mind. And then they were willing to lay down their life. They said, you know what? My life is secondary to his life. His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His plan for me is better. His plan for me is better. It's the power that's in that testimony. Guys, let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your love and your acceptance. We thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you that you've chosen us for something that's bigger than us. We thank you. I want to do something today as we begin to pray. There was a prayer request that was brought to our attention today and um, we want to be sure and pray this morning as a, as a family. Our friend... Um, Priscilla is going through some challenges um, in, in her body and going to be undergoing um, some therapy this week. Am I getting this right? Somebody confirm for me. Yeah. Um, and so I'd like to join together as a church body and to pray today. Um, Priscilla uh, Gonzalez, is that right? Gonzalez? I'm sorry. I didn't write this down and I definitely should have. Help, give me a thumbs up if I got that right. Am I good? Here's Joe. Joe's going to come up. I'm sorry that I'm butchering this. I definitely should write things down. Let me grab you a microphone. Can I, Hannah, can I use your mic, please? Thank you, ma'am. Check. Check. Here you go, sir. I'm sorry. Thank you. Can you kind of just tell us what's going on so we can pray as a church? Yeah. Um, my wife... Uh uh, she went through a series of, uh, of uh, examinations in uh, El Paso, Texas, at the hospital there, and they did one operation on her. And uh, they found out later when we got home that she had another uh, thing going on in her stomach. And uh, God willing that they're going to deal with it here in Carlsbad. 
she hasn't been coming the last two weeks because she's been swelling up. stay up. You know, the scripture teaches us a principle of intercession, standing in the gap. And um, we know that there's no distance in prayer. And even though Priscilla can't be with us today, we can pray for her. But what I want us to do is, as Joe's here standing in the gap for her, I want us to reach out and extend towards him. And I want us to pray for him. I also know that when you've got a spouse, a loved one that is going through something like this, that it's also, it weighs on you as well. And so I want us to pray for two things today. Joe's asked us that, that we pray that this procedure is able to be done in Carlsbad. Um, and so that's one thing that we're praying. We're also praying that it does what it was designed to do. Amen. Praise God that God guides the doctors. And then we're going to pray for Joe and for Priscilla as well for strength. Amen. That their faith remains strong. And then we're going to help them carry that. Right? Amen. So let's reach out and let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now for Priscilla. God, we thank you that you're working in her life. We thank you that you are, are working to accomplish what your word says it will in Jesus' name. God, we pray today that first of all, this is able to be done in Carlsbad in Jesus' name, that you're opening the doors, that you're providing that way in the name of Jesus. Whatever needs to be done, God, we don't know what needs to be done to make that happen, but you know what needs to be done and that you're working in that situation. God, that all of the, 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 the treatments and the procedures and the medicines that they work the, the way that you designed them to work, God, we thank you that you gave men and women wisdom and knowledge and understanding that you, you gave them creative ways to be able to form treatments that are designed to help us. And so I thank you today that you are working in those designed ways that you're bringing about healing to us in Jesus' name. And God, we pray for strength both for Joe and for Priscilla. God, that they'll be able to rest, that your peace is on them and that fear is not a part of their lives and not a part of their vocabulary, but you fill their mouth with faith and you fill their thoughts with faith, that they understand what Jesus had done, that love, that the, the love that you have for them would grow strong in Jesus' name, that their understanding of that love would grow strong in Jesus' name, and they would grow in the knowledge of you. As they grow in the knowledge of you, then fear dissipates and faith comes, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you, brother. We're standing with you, okay? Amen. Amen. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, I want to invite you to do that today. You can be a part of the family of God, which is the greatest place to be, not only on this earth, but also in the next life 
when you leave this life, we have a promise of eternity. In eternity, you're going to spend it one of two places. You're either going to spend it an eternity in hell or you're going to spend an eternity in heaven. And I know that's not uh, an amazing way to put that and it's not incredibly eloquent and you think, man, well, you're just laying it out black and white. The thing is that if I didn't, I would be doing you an injustice because the reality is there's one way to heaven and that's through Jesus. He didn't say that so he could exclude people. He said that to show you where the door is. It's right here. All you got to do is go in. It's for every single person. And so today, if you want to receive Jesus, I'm going to pray a prayer and I just want you to pray it with me. What we're going to say is, Jesus, I can't do it alone. I need you. And so I'm asking you to come into my life to help me. And I'm surrendering to you. By surrendering, you're saying your way is better than mine. I can't do it by myself. I recognize that you're greater than me. So if you would, say this prayer with me. If you're online or if you're here in this room, say this prayer with me. I'm going to ask everyone to say it as a show of support to those who maybe haven't. We're family here, amen? So let's say it. Father God, we thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me. And I ask you today, Jesus, come into my life because I can't do it by myself. I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you rose again. And I thank you that you didn't give up on me, but you've pursued me. I give my life to you today because your way is better than mine. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love.